Today, our gospel passage is coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. So I invite you to stand as you're able in honor and reading of the gospel passage. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, It is finished. And then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. There are many people that, that have made huge accomplishments, whether directly or indirectly, that made an impact on all of us, uh, human society in general. One individual comes to my mind when I think about people who've made a big impact their accomplishment. This individual has a very unique story. Some of y'all may know this story very well. And some of y'all may have never heard about this individual and what they have done and accomplished and how that really benefits so many people today. But there was a child born in 1947 on my birthday, August 29th, to two parents in Massachusetts. And as this child grew and got to the age of two, the parents began to realize something was not quite right with their child. They just couldn't quite figure it out. And so they took the child, like many parents do, to the doctors to figure out why is my child behaving this way. You see, this individual, this child was not communicating as a two-year-old should be, having erratic behaviors, didn't like to be touched. It was just different than their peers. And so the doctor at the time said, well, your child has some type of brain damage, and being that it's 1949, like anything that deals with uh, mental issues, behavior issues, or neurological issues, their solution was you need to institutionalize your child. And for any parent, especially of a child age two, to say, look, we don't know what's going on, but your child needs to be put in institution. You know, so many emotions will come up in you. So much confusion will come up in you and trying to figure out, is this really the right thing to do? Well, these parents did not take the doctor's advice. The mother even got offended because the doctor said, well, the part of the reason why your child is this way is because you were too cold to your child. It had a nickname. It was called refrigerator mom syndrome is what they used to call it as a nickname. But as we know today, what this child had was not refrigerator mom issues. This child did not need to be institutionalized because this child was and is autistic. It was autism. But they didn't know it at the time. They didn't know anything about it, how to treat it, how to diagnose it. And so what these parents did, they took their child and did not institutionalize it. But they loved their child. They kept their child, educating their child, kept the child in school, got it speech therapy, and through speech therapy, pulled the words out that was inside the head of this child and started talking to age four. And so this child grew up. It grew up with the love and support of his parents, with the help of his teachers and therapists. This child's name is Temple Grandin. And some of y'all, like I said, may have heard of Temple Grandin. Some of y'all may not have. But I view this person as one of the individuals in our society that has made 
huge impacts through the accomplishments of what she did. As she became a teenager, the bullying at school got too much, and so she got to go live on her aunt's farm in a ranch in Arizona. And it was there where she learned to drive. It was there where she learned so many life things. But she also fell in love with animals on the ranch, which that later for her translated that she went to college She actually went to college, graduated school, went to college, and eventually became a doctorate in animal science. An autistic individual who was diagnosed in 1949, made it all the way through college with a Ph.D. in animal science, and teaches to this day out in Colorado. She made huge accomplishments in the animal science industry. She came up with the method now on how pigs and cattle are led to slaughter. Because beforehand, it was mass chaos. There was no organized system. But she thinks in visual images. And she knows how to create a system to decrease the stress of the animal. So it's more efficient, more humane. And she's written books about this. And over half of these animal handling places in North America use her method. And she goes all over the country to talk to a bunch of colleges about animal science. She's even been, I've seen her talk at Mississippi State. She has gone to talk about animal science there to their degree uh, participants. So she's made a huge impact through her accomplishment that, that benefits many people today. But not just that. While she has viewed her primary accomplishments in life towards animal science, she's also made some huge accomplishments for the autistic community. She will go and speak anywhere about autism, but she says she likes to go first and speak about animals and then autism secondary. But to hear her speak about autism and how she views it and how she grew up through that, and for parents and for educators and doctors to hear her speak, opens so many things to them. Opens the eyes of so many people on how to uh, work with the autistic community and the ways they see it. She's written books also about autism that are very, very interesting, that help so many people. And she's even had a movie made about her. And I don't know if y'all have seen the movie, but some folks who do know her know about the accomplishments. Others haven't quite heard about her. If you have not, she is one of those people I encourage you to go home, look up on the Internet, and read about her. Watch the movie. It's so eye-opening on the accomplishments that she has made directly through animal science and indirectly from being autistic, but yet being an individual who's made it through the struggles to be where she is today. It's truly an inspiration. Truly an inspiration. And there are so many people that we can think of that through their accomplishments made huge impacts on, on us as a society, as individuals. But I'll argue there's one man who's made the biggest impact on our whole entire world, regardless of your faith. And that is Jesus. Whether you believe in him or not, you cannot ignore the fact that Jesus existed and impacts our world today. Jesus. Our video showed us what Beth Faisal, our associate pastor of Congregational Care, Meredith, who's our ministry assistant here at the church, and Sam, who leads our intersection planning team, on their viewpoints on what Christ accomplished here on earth, what his mission was when he was living and breathing on this earth for 30-some-odd years. And as you can see, there's so many different viewpoints on what he accomplished, because he accomplished so much, so much, and it still impacts us today. 
In our series, we're looking at these final sayings of Christ. We're getting down to the last two. We got this week and then next week, and then it's Easter. And as I've said before, each word, each phrase that was said on the cross cost Jesus a price. When you're on the cross, you don't have much breath left in you. So each word said is a painful word. So he made sure it was important what he said on the cross. And so today we look at it is finished. So what does it mean it is finished? What does it mean when he proclaims that from the cross as one of his final words? Why did he choose to say that? What does he need us to hear from this? When you look at the Greek word, it is finished. You, you see a deeper meaning of it. It has the meaning of paid in full. And some would even say mission accomplished. See, when we read it, when the English translation, it is finished, we just look at it as a basic statement. But there's so much more meaning and layers into it. When he says it, he said it is paid in full, mission accomplished. Now that's a deeper meaning. That he paid it in full and fulfilled the mission. There's nothing left. The mission is done. It is complete. He ran the race and was successful in what he did and what God intended for him to do. The cross is the moment where you see the devil and God both aiming for the same thing but for different purposes. With different missions in mind. The devil thought that he was getting rid of Jesus and the movement that God was doing here on earth. But God had a different plan through this resurrection of Christ. And through the mission he was accomplishing, God wins out. It's the one moment in time where they're running for the same goal, but the devil loses because Jesus finishes the race, accomplishes the mission, and pays it in full. So when you say it is finished, the promises of the Old Testament and the covenants are fulfilled. The prophecies are fulfilled. There are no more unnecessary sacrifices that we must do. Jesus is the ultimate and final sacrifice for all of the world. It is the moment where God's justice is satisfied on the cross. Our price is paid. He was perfect for our sins. And the power of Satan, the power of sin and death holds us no more. That Jesus Christ holds the keys to hell. He is the victor. It is finished. And in the moment where he proclaims it is finished, he bows his head. When you go back and you look at the literal translation of bows his head, it means the same thing as it mentions in Scripture earlier when Jesus lays his head down to rest. It means he is lowering his head. He is fully in control even in the last moments of the cross because death holds nothing over him. The power of Satan holds nothing over him. And so when the mission was accomplished, he lowered his own head fully in control and gave up his spirit. No one took his spirit. No one took his spirit, but he gave it up. As it says in John 10, 17 through 18, as Jesus said, I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of myself and I have the power to lay it down 
and I have the power to take it up again. In that moment, the disciples may not have understood what he was saying, but us Christians post-resurrection knew exactly what Christ was saying in that moment, that the devil and death holds no power over me. The mission is finished, and you will get to share in that victory with me. That you too can share in this power through my victory. And when you read these words, you imagine what this meant for those also that were witnessing it for themselves. As they see their Messiah and their loved one Jesus on the cross, lowering his head saying, it is finished. In that moment, there is so much despair because yet they have not understood that there's a resurrection coming. They're still yet to learn that the full mission was accomplished. And when we look at this, it should also show us that God was in work from the moment of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden on a plan to redeem his people. That God had never given up on his people. That he had a plan through Jesus Christ, the moment of the fall of man, from the garden to the cross. And that is also what Jesus Christ was telling us in that moment, was that God's plan and mission is accomplished through the price paid from Jesus Christ, that we are now made whole again. We are now able to be reconciled to our God and Creator through faith in Jesus Christ. No more endless sacrifices that never fully redeem you. The one perfect sacrifice happened. And when we see this, we also understand that because God had a plan from the beginning to redeem us, that he loves us individually through our own mistakes and failures. He knows we're not going to be perfect. That's why he sent Jesus. He still loves us through that. He gives us Jesus Christ so we can be redeemed. You are worthy, each and every individual, no matter their age, no matter their race, no matter their gender, and no matter their disability, everybody is loved by God. Male, female, child, you name it. And God commands us to love our neighbors. He commands us to even love our enemies. He leaves no wiggle room there. We are to love all because we are loved ourselves individually and then as a human race. God didn't give up on us. As a human race, he kept on and kept on and kept on. He could have given up. He could have said, I'm done with you as a creation. I'm moving on. I'm going to create something new, something fresh that does not include you. But no, through the covenants of the Old Testament and the prophecies of the Old Testaments, he sends us Jesus Christ as our redeeming, saving grace. And so when we see there, it is finished. That is what it means. That through all Jesus Christ did on his ministry here on earth, through the teachings that he gave us from living out the word, it's so important for us to know the Old Testament because that is what he was fulfilling, the prophecies of the Old Testament. So through all that he did and all that he taught and all what he lived through, 
He finished the mission. He paid our sacrifice. He paid a price for our sins. That is what's finished. That is what was paid in full. That is what the mission accomplished is. And so here we are today. Receiving this truth. What does that do for you? What does that do for you? How does that change you? How does that make you think of the world? I think these are things we need to wrestle with. I think there's are things that we are called to evaluate in our lives because of this price that he paid on the cross for our sins. Our sins sent him there. He paid our debt, so what is our response? What is our response? You know, for some of us in the season of Lent, we look at things that hold us back from growing closer to God. So our response is that we cut out things or add on things. Individually, that moves us maybe to share the good news more in the way we live and what we say to those around us. As a faith community, I think that requires us to make sure that Yes, we are loving each other in our faith community and taking care of those in our faith community, but then we look outside these four walls of the church and see where the the message of love and grace, where people need to be cared for, and to go out and meet that need. The majority of Jesus' ministry was not in a synagogue, not teaching on the steps of the temples while he did those things. His ministry was out in the world. And his message was meant to be taken out into the world. So we don't need to stop short of giving thanks to God for what was done for us. But we also need to respond in that thanks. And that takes the time of prayer. It takes the time of speaking to fellow Christians and seeing where those needs are that need to be met. Because if the church is not making an impact in the community and in the world, then what are we doing? If we're not out there being the positive force in the world, then what are we doing? We need to get out of the way and let some of these other groups take the charge. But God calls us to be that. God calls us to share the good news. God calls us to reach out into the world. God calls us to constantly reflect upon ourselves, to better ourselves, to grow in Him. So yes, this message of his finished, Jesus Christ did the work, but now we are called to respond. We are called to respond. And that is challenging at times. It requires us to sometimes to put aside our own personal needs that are just for us to focus on others, and sometimes that does get challenging. But God is there with you every step of the way. And when you're doing it together in a community, you can support one another in that. And you can use your different gifts and graces to accomplish God's mission on this earth. Your response to it is is finished is a group effort. It is a group effort. 